Welcome to the Tech Meme Ride Home for Friday, November 3rd, 2023. I'm Brian McCullough. Today, Sam Bankman-Fried has been found guilty. The FTC alleges Jeff Bezos ordered Amazon to boost junk ads. Elon Musk says Starlink is almost profitable. He also says he's about to release his own AI model. And in the weekend long read suggestions, is Elon about to give Joe Rogan a new lily pad to take his podcast to? Here's what you missed today in the world of tech. A jury has found Sam Bankman-Fried guilty on all seven counts of fraud and conspiracy in the FTX trial. The judge has set sentencing for March 28th, 2024. Is it wild to anyone else how quickly this all wrapped up? FTX only blew up a year ago right now. A year ago right now, FTX blew up and ChatGPT came out. That, I can't believe, was only a year ago. But here we are, quoting The Verge. After more than a month in trial, the jury took four and a half hours to decide Bankman-Fried's fate, declaring him guilty on all seven charges, including wire fraud, conspiracy to commit wire fraud, and conspiracy to commit money laundering. In court, Bankman-Fried's defense argued that he had honestly failed at operating a high-risk business. He denied directly supervising the damning code updates that allowed Alameda to spend FTX funds and said he had not participated in trading or questioned employees about billions of missing dollars. His testimony was contradicted by his former roommates slash lieutenants, all had worked under Bankman-Fried and later cooperated with prosecutors. End quote. I've been perusing the various pieces from reporters who were in the courtroom all month, and pretty much the unanimous take, even as it was happening, was that SBF really didn't stand a chance. And when he agreed to testify, as I think we discussed, the writing was pretty much on the wall. Quoting the New York Times, From the outset, the decision to have Mr. Bankman-Fried testify in the federal trial that charged him with some of the most grievous acts of financial fraud in the country's history seemed like a self-defeating proposition, ostentatiously unfazed by physical beauty, art, novels, fashion, religion, and heated food, Bankman-Fried was also an avowed hater of Shakespeare, quote, one-dimensional characters, illogical plots, obvious endings. He was mystified by emotionally driven decisions, challenging any efforts to place him somewhere on a continuum of human relatability. What would a jury of his peers possibly look like? Or in the specific absence of that, what would 12 ordinary people see when they were seated on the other side of the witness stand from him? The prosecution hoped that they would observe a grown man, steeped in self-contradiction and capable of criminality, rather than the 31-year-old boy Mr. Bankman-Fried appeared to be, someone whose adolescent enthusiasms and distractibility caused him to make billions of dollars worth of hapless, innocent errors. In the end, the jury only saw the duplicitous adult. Among the many paradoxes surrounding the case was the idea that someone so antagonistic to the perceived value of image and story would have paid such careful and perversely winning attention to his own. You didn't cut your hair because you were busy and lazy? The prosecutor, Danielle Sassoon, asked the defendant in her cross-examination. Her question was rhetorical. She would deploy this tactic repeatedly, asking Mr. Bankman-Fried if he said X or Y, encountering a vague response, and then proving that he had said whatever he claimed he could not really remember. During this particular sequence, she introduced a statement he had made revealing that it was, quote, important for the business for people to, quote, think I look crazy. She further informed the courtroom that when Anthony Scaramucci, one of Mr. Bankman-Fried's investors, told him to put on a suit, Mr. Bankman-Fried responded that t-shirts were crucial to his, quote, brand. His defense essentially boiled down to the notion that mistakes were made, chief among them that he managed risk poorly, but never intended to do anything wrong. However much Mr. Bankman-Fried might have paid attention to his narrative, he brought less attention to his actual product, end quote. 
Elon Musk has announced that Starlink is cash flow break-even. This is notable because back in 2021, Musk said SpaceX would spin off and take Starlink public once its cash flow was reasonably predictable. Quoting Reuters, Since 2019, Starlink has grown its network in low Earth orbit to roughly 5,000 satellites, swiftly positioning itself as the world's largest satellite operator and a rival to satellite internet firms such as Viasat and Utelsat's newly acquired OneWeb. Starlink is also now a majority of all active satellites and will have launched a majority of all satellites cumulatively from Earth by next year, Musk said in a post on social media platform X on Thursday. Musk has sought to establish the Starlink business unit as a crucial source of revenue to fund SpaceX's more capital-intensive projects such as its next-generation Starship, a giant reusable rocket the company intends to fly to the moon for NASA within the next decade. Starlink posted a more than six-fold surge in revenue last year to $1.4 billion, but fell short of targets set by Musk, the Wall Street Journal reported in September, citing documents, end quote. Elon also says that XAI, that new startup he formed to get revenge on, I mean, compete with OpenAI, will release its first AI model to a select group on November 4th. And, quote, in some respects, Elon says, it is the best that currently exists. Reuters, again, from the Elon Beat. The team behind XAI, which launched in July this year, comes from Google's DeepMind, the Windows parent, and other top AI research firms. Though Musk owned X, the social media firm formerly known as Twitter, and XAI are separate, the companies work closely together. XAI also works with Tesla and other companies. Larry Ellison, co-founder of Oracle and a self-described close friend of Musk, said in September that XAI had signed a contract to train its AI model on Oracle's cloud, end quote. Apple closed out tech earnings season yesterday, reporting Q4 revenue was down 1% year-on-year to $89.5 billion versus what was $89.3 billion estimated, so slight beat there. Net income was up 11% to $22.9 billion. iPhone revenue was up 3%. But Mac revenue was down 34%. iPad down 10%. And wearables, home, and accessories revenue down 3% again year on year. The stock is down this morning because Apple also projected that their all-important holiday quarter will be about the same as last year. The only bright spot in their earnings report was the services segment, which includes Apple TV Plus and Apple Music, which was up 16% year-on-year to a record $22.31 billion. The Federal Trade Commission says Jeff Bezos himself ordered Amazon executives to accept more junk ads to boost profits. This comes in a new release of the FTC's complaint against Amazon that had some previously redacted sections unredacted. Quoting Bloomberg, Amazon's founder and former chief executive officer Jeff Bezos personally ordered executives to accept more ads, even ones the company had internally labeled as, quote, defects, indicating they weren't relevant to user searches, according to the new version of the complaint. The FTC alleges that Amazon's increased use of ads boosted profits while it harmed sellers and consumers, making it harder for shoppers to find products they are searching for. 
We'd be crazy not to increase the number of advertisements shown to shoppers, the FTC quoted Amazon executives as saying. One executive compiled a number of the defective ads showing buck urine showing up in responses to searches for water bottles or t-shirts for the Los Angeles Lakers basketball team in response to queries for the Seattle Seahawks football team merchandise. In third quarter 2023 earnings announced last week, Amazon reported advertising revenue of $12.1 billion, making the company's ad unit its fastest-growing business. Amazon said its search results consider a number of factors, and users can easily refine their results. Quote, Amazon works hard to make it fast and easy for customers to find the items they want and discover similar options by providing a mix of organic and sponsored search results, Amazon spokesperson Tim Doyle said. He also cited a study by a London marketing firm that found consumers find Amazon ads relevant and useful. In an email later Thursday, he added, quote, the claim that Amazon leadership directed employees to accept more advertising defects that would degrade the customer experience is grossly misleading and taken out of context and does not reflect Amazon's longstanding dedication to continually improving the customer experience, end quote. The FTC also alleged that the company deleted internal communications using the disappearing message feature of Signal and destroyed more than two years' worth of such communications from June 2019 to at least early 2022. Amazon denied that its employees deleted messages, saying the company informed the FTC about the signal usage, quote, painstakingly collecting signal conversations from its employees' phones and allowing agency staff to inspect those conversations. Some executives began to use the encrypted communications app after Bezos disclosed in 2019 that his phone had been hacked and alleged the National Enquirer tabloid sought to publish his intimate photos and texts, end quote. When you go through airport security, there's one line where the TSA agent checks your ID and another line where a machine scans your bag. The same thing happens in enterprise security, but instead of passengers and luggage, it's end users and their devices. These days, most companies are pretty good at the first part of the equation where they check user identity, but user devices can roll right through authentication without getting inspected at all. In fact, 47% of companies allow unmanaged, untrusted devices to access their data. That means an employee can log in from a laptop that has its firewall turned off and hasn't been updated in six months. Or worse, that laptop might belong to a bad actor using employee credentials. Collide finally solves the device trust problem. Collide ensures that no device can log into your Okta-protected apps unless it passes your security checks. Plus, you can use Collide on devices without MDM, like your Linux fleet, contractor devices, and every BYOD phone and laptop in your company. Visit collide.com slash ride to watch a demo and see how it all works. That's K-O-L-I-D-E dot com slash ride, collide.com slash ride. Let's be real for a minute. Most guys would wear a t-shirt every day of their lives if they could. The problem is that most t-shirts are not acceptable to wear at work or out on a hot date night. But today's sponsor, Cuts, has finally changed that. Cuts t-shirts are such high-quality, wrinkle-free, and so buttery soft that you can look like you're dressing up even when you're dressing down. Yeah, you heard that. Wrinkle-free. You never have to substitute comfort for fashion ever again. If you see me in a t-shirt, it's likely one from Cuts. I'm also a huge fan of their AO5 pocket pants, the right sort of step up from jeans without going all the way into dress pants, like literally my ideal Venn diagram of professional looking but comfortable feeling. When you touch something from Cuts, you can immediately 
immediately feel the quality. Their proprietary fabric blends are ridiculously soft and breathable, they don't wrinkle, and they look way more expensive than they actually are. For a limited time, our listeners get 20% off your entire order when you use code RIDE at checkout. That's 20% off your order at cutsclothing.com with promo code RIDE. Please support our show and tell them we sent you. Experience the perfect blend of style and comfort with Cuts Clothing. Cutsclothing.com, promo code RIDE for 20% off. So from a story of making a marketplace potentially worse in order to chase high-margin ads to a story about potentially making the web worse to chase revenue growth, Google AdSense will soon move from paying per click to paying per impression and split the revenue share into separate rates for the buy side and sell side. Quoting 9to5Google, Today, Google pays publishers when someone clicks on an ad on their site or per click. AdSense is soon moving to paying per impression, which Google notes is the industry standard for display ads like banners, boxes, etc. As such, this will, quote, provide a more uniform way for paying publishers for their ad space across Google's products and third-party platforms, helping them compare with other technology providers they use, end quote. Google says that, quote, publishers will continue to keep about 68% of the revenue. These changes will go into effect early next year and do not, quote, require any action from publishers. Google said it has conducted testing on possible earnings changes for publishers and doesn't expect anything to change, end quote. One of the ways Google made the internet better in the early 2000s, in my opinion, was that it moved the advertising model away, not completely, but away from generally CPM or cost per impression ads like we used to have in the bad banner ad days towards the cost per click model. So that seems to be going away. I wonder if this is also a step toward integrating Google's ad products into the whole double-click display ad regime, which is one of the things regulators are threatening to force Google to unbundle. Time for the weekend long read suggestions. And this week, just two, both from The Verge. We don't tend to cover automotive earnings on the show, but apparently this quarter, all of the non-Tesla automakers announced disappointing EV numbers. Not disappointing sales numbers. Electric vehicle sales in the U.S. should hit 9% of all cars by the end of the year, a 50% year-on-year increase. No, it was apparently more that no one but Tesla can seem to produce enough cars, fast enough, or, you know, profitably. The Verge takes a look at what's going on here. Quote, The news and the numbers seem wildly misaligned. Things are going great. No, wait, things are going badly. EVs are the future. Nope, EVs are a fad. Take a breath. Unsurprisingly, there are a lot of different trend lines here. Price fluctuations, new incentives, the autoworker strike, to name a few, that are colliding to make a mess of any attempt to get a solid temperature read on the EV transition. The early adopters have all well adopted, and everyone else isn't feeling that willing to take risks in their car buying, said Jessica Caldwell, director of insights at Edmunds. EV adoption is looking to move into its next phase, requiring much more mass market interest, and this larger cohort has to be sold on EVs since they aren't as enthusiastic and willing as the early adopters, she said. This will be much more challenging for dealers, converting a whole cohort of more trepidatious, price-sensitive shoppers to an entirely new technology. Buying an EV isn't just about bigger screens, faux grills, or light bars. It's an entirely new lifestyle, full of range considerations and charging anxieties and home equipment installations. 
U.S. automakers bear a lot of the blame, too. They assumed that current demand patterns could also be applied to EVs, which is why most of them prioritize big trucks and SUVs right out of the gate. GM especially was guilty of this, leading with the Hummer EV truck and SUV while letting the small utilitarian Chevy Bolt languish for many years before being recalled and then discontinued. But you can't just build plug-in trucks that need batteries as heavy as a Honda Civic if your supply chain isn't healthy and mature. Average battery pack sizes have gone up 10% each year from 2018 to 2020, according to Bloomberg, from 40 kilowatt hours to 60 kilowatt hours. And that rate of increase is expected to accelerate as more big heavy trucks hit the market from the Chevy Silverado EV to the Ram 1500 Rev to the Tesla Cybertruck. Automakers say they are responding to consumer demands for longer ranges and more dependable battery sizes, but the supply chain is going to find it very difficult to keep up with the pace, especially as U.S. policymakers try to redirect the production of battery materials away from China. Of course, this is what is making EVs more expensive. Too expensive for most people, taking into account the recent drop in demand. China, meanwhile, is eating our lunch by prioritizing small, inexpensive models that are affordable to middle-class shoppers. The average price of an EV in China was less than 3,200 euros or $35,000 in the first half of 2022, according to researchers at Jado Dynamics. In the U.S., it's around 53,000, end quote. And finally this week, some podcasting news. Three years ago, Joe Rogan signed his monster deal with Spotify. That deal is nearly up. So what is Joe going to do now? His podcast is still by far the biggest in all the land. Quote, The one thing everyone seems to agree on is that it is in Spotify's best interest to keep Rogan on board. After all the money, the company has sunk into deals that went nowhere, Harry and Meghan, and acquisitions that were eventually dismantled, Gimlet. Rogan is still the best bet the company has ever made. He remains the top podcaster in the world, and it's not close. But, and this is a big but, This is not 2020. Money is a lot tighter than it was several years ago. Investors are pissed that Spotify's podcast bet still is not profitable, and CEO Daniel Ek has pledged to focus on efficiency. Rogan's current deal is reported to be worth as much as $200 million over three-ish years. So then the question becomes whether Spotify can find the right price to keep him happy and mollify investors. It's a situation where you are damned if you do and you're damned if you don't, says RT researcher founder Richard Kramer. If you do keep him, Spotify will be locked into paying Rogan as much or more than before at a time when they need to contain costs. If you don't keep him, then it's really tough because your biggest property and source of sales within the ad business walks, end quote. And while Spotify has become one of the biggest players in the market, in no small part thanks to Rogan, it is still the podcast app of choice for only 17% of podcast listeners, according to a study from Cumulus, and continues to lose share to YouTube. His reach will be greater if he goes independent again, and he is a guy who likes to be everywhere, end quote. You know, Elon was on Rogan's show recently, and the first two hours of that conversation were available on X. I wonder if they maybe talked about other things off air. You see where I'm going with that. No bonus episodes for you this weekend. Be well. Talk to you on Monday.